Hello and welcome back to Forming, a podcast with the Diocese of Southern Ohio. And if you've been following along, you know that we are working with the zine for Ordinary Time. And today we are going to be talking about the light of God. Uh, My name is Christopher Richardson. I am a priest in the diocese. I work as priest in charge at St. John's in Columbus, Ohio. I am also the Associate for Children, Youth, and Campus Ministry for the Diocese. And with me today is Amy Houghton. Hi, so good to be with you, Christopher. My name is Amy, and I've been involved in helping to lead the Becoming Beloved Community movement that we've been um, investing and committing to for the past three years in our diocese. Really glad to be here in conversation about the light of God today. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, To begin our conversation, I will start with reading scripture, which is always a wonderful place to begin. And why not begin at the beginning? And so we are going to be in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, And so we have this as the first day of creation, where God is creating the light and separates the light from the darkness Uh, And one of the things we really wanted to talk about is, uh, one, where do we see light in the world today, especially when there seems to be so much uh, scariness and and darkness, Uh, but also how can we reformat the way we see uh, light and dark? Uh, Because I think all too often we look at it as light is good, dark is bad, Uh, and so... Uh, just really excited to have this conversation with Amy as we talk about some of those themes. Thank you, Christopher. I think it's also, it's not lost on me that as we begin and, well, maybe continue this conversation, actually, you and I, that I as a white woman, you as a black man, <laughs> like, what does this mean for us, really? And I think, you know, part of what I have really loved about our turning to the creation story as we explore the theme of who is my neighbor and how do we be neighbors is that it really does offer another, it's like, so what has been lost? What have we gotten twisted and perverted as we understand and think about the creation story? And when we go back to it, what new insights or wisdom might we glean from this story and who we are as Christians and our relationship with God? So I'll just, I'll, I'll begin by saying that you know, I really offer, I offered up the book of creation, which is one of the texts that we're going to be using as we work with this ordinary zine. And so this was the text that was not new to me. It's written by John Philip Newell. And so he began, he goes day by day through the story of creation and offers up a lesson or a theme that we learn about God from each day. So this first day, the light of God. And as Christopher said, going back to that first piece in Genesis And while this was not new to me, neither the text nor this piece from Genesis, I realized that still there's something about this idea of God as light that stirs something in me that I know is very much tied to 
it's like the imperial consciousness is what we've been learned by our human conditioning and the stories of domination of light, as you say, as only about good, like associated with good and darkness as evil. And this dichotomy that we continue to understand or play out or perpetuate. And so for me, this was an invitation to, okay, what does it really mean? What does this really mean? And how can we begin to think about lightness or and God um, consequently as more expansive and more inclusive? Yeah. And it's this really interesting uh, false binary that we have created of uh, there is only light and there is only darkness. But the reality is that lightness and darkness exist together and have to exist together. Uh, We would not be able to function as human beings if light and dark did not exist in the same place at the same time. Without light, we obviously, we wouldn't be able to perceive uh, with our eyes the world around us. But if there was no such thing as darkness, we wouldn't be able to differentiate one thing from another uh, because it would all just be light and there'd be no separation of objects, no separation of people. So just for the simple act of perceiving the world with our eyes, we need light and dark. That interplay of light and dark together uh, is one of the primary ways we interact with with the world around us. And also, there are times when light can be harmful and darkness can be the comfort. And so it's kind of the inverse of the way we tend to view things. And so the, the biblical image that we tend to always use is the, the candle, the light of a candle shining in the darkness. And that candle represents the light of God pushing back the evil darkness of Satan as kind of the traditional interpretation. But as someone with light sensitive eyes, if I go into an area and it's too bright, I am blinded and I get a headache and it's just being in bright light is painful. Uh, And so sometimes I like to be in more of a a cave-like setting uh, where the light is dimmer and it's easier for me. I love that. You know, actually, one of the quotes that we use in the zine is from John O'Donohue, and he he writes, we desperately need a new and gentle light where the soul can shelter and reveal its ancient belonging. We need a light that has retained its kinship with the darkness, for we are the sons and the daughters of the darkness and the light. And I hear that in what in what you're saying, that somehow... You know, over time, thanks to, again, stories of domination and white supremacy and patriarchy and all the things, westernized thinking, we have come to understand light as certainty, almost as this glaring, it can be a really blinding light as like the known. And what I think we're invited into when we go back to our story of creation is understanding that God encompasses both the invisible, the known and the unknown. And that's the light and the darkness together. And you used a word, I think you 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 mentioned something earlier, Christopher, about the womb, about God and the and like life coming from the womb. And so I think for me, that's an image that really helps to understand what this light, what life 
what God is, that it really comes from the womb. It comes from this place of darkness. And from that, there is life. Yeah, yeah. That was in one of our our planning meetings where we were talking about that. And yeah, the idea that, uh, again, as human beings, we could not exist if we did not first exist in the darkness of the womb. Uh, And so we needed that place of darkness to grow and to be formed. Uh, And so at our our earliest being, we were formed in darkness. And that's a good thing. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's a wonderful thing. And again, just looking at the the interplay of light and dark, and one of the things that uh, we're going to be asking you to do in the zine is to see if you can go out and watch the sunrise or watch the sunset and be in that liminal space, that time of day when it's not exactly bright light, but it's not the darkness of night yet. Mm. It's that in between Uh, time where the light and the dark are both uh, prevalent. Mm. And you know, you know what, I have to jump in here because that those times, both dusk and dawn are known as twilight. It's of two lights. And so even thinking about that of like the light and the darkness are two forms of light, I think is also just a beautiful way to understand the kind of God, the kind of creation, the kind of life that we're talking about. I think one of the things that can be helpful uh, because we are people who rely on scripture and base a lot of things on scripture is to recognize that scripture supports over and over again that darkness is not bad uh, and that darkness is uh, a place where God can be found. And so every year on Ash Wednesday, we read this passage from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to read just a little bit of it. It's Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Hmm. And so here is this. And there are so many examples uh, that are used and the passage that is repeated over and over again is do this for your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. There are times when we are not called to do things in the quote unquote light of day. Uh, We're not meant to do things to be seen by others, but sometimes we need to do things in the dark. That's only known by God. Because God is there in the darkness. God sees in the darkness. And if we can be in that place where it's just us and God from time to time, like sometimes that's when the best work is done. You know, and I think for me, given the work that we've been doing around related to becoming beloved community and racial healing and reconciliation, and with my background in trauma, I know that the darkness represents not only a place, but it also represents our pain and suffering. And that often, I think, you know, it's so easy 
our tendency is want to avoid what's hard and the suffering. But I think what our faith is inviting us into and beginning even in our very story of creation is an invitation into that, to turn into that, to turn into the wound, into the pain, knowing that in that there is new life. I mean, this is the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. But also, Christopher, is, I'm just remembering as you're reading that passage that last week when you and Emma and I gathered to do some work on the zine, it was it the day after Ovalde and the shooting? Yeah, the day after. And such grief, you know, that we, when we, when we connected, there was just such grief as we, you know, really kind of came together in the aftermath of such violence and that there was a sense of when we turn into that pain and, you know, into that, what feels like darkness together, that there's all, we always find God there. We always find life and love and connection. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard because especially events like that we really we don't want to be in that severe that high level of grief and pain and suffering and i think all too often christianity has failed Mm -hmm. because we have allowed the narrative to become avoidance and so we we don't process it instead we say like oh somehow this is just part of god's plan And we don't know what God's plan is. Uh, The problem with that is that implies that God wanted those children to die. And that's just simply not the case. God doesn't cause pain and suffering. And so when we're talking about turning into that, we're not uh, in any way trying to say that this this is some lesson that God put here for us to learn something from. But in this there is something we can learn and with God, we can learn that lesson Uh, with God. We can find something new, even in the midst of something so painful, something so tragic. Sometimes we just need to sit in this darkness, sit in this grief and this pain and just be here. And so the, the nighttime is when most of the world sleeps and it is in sleep that we are renewed and we are restored. And again, even going back to Genesis one and there was evening and there was morning the first day, there could not be a, another day if there was not first a night. Uh, and so the night is necessary for us. And so we don't need to ignore the darkness. We don't need to be afraid of the darkness Uh, The darkness is there for our healing and our renewal uh, and to give us what we need so that when it is light again, we can participate in that lightness. I love that. And I think what's coming up just listening to you is that the knowing the faith that the light, that the darkness is of God too, that it's all of God, that our God is so encompassing, that God includes everything. I mean, even, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, that it's all of life. And I think there's something about this, too, that really links the story of creation to this, like, evolutionary Christianity that says that really there is this unfolding. In fact, this is like, I know we've kind of been in this, too, this bit about our creation myth 
is not myth isn't something that just happens. It's the happening over and over and over again. But I think it's there's something around understanding for me anyway, that we are part of this impulse that's been happening since before the beginning of time. And that God is in all of this. And so when you can start to see that, it's like, of course, it's like as Bishop Curry says, you know, it's it kind of makes us as humans, <laughs> as human divine beings, it's that we are both kneeling and standing at once. There's the kneeling in humility because there's so much of God that is mysterious to us and is absolutely, will always remain unknown. And there's bits of it that are in us and that we do know. So I think that there's something for me about, you know, again, really going back to the story and for me, reclaiming some of what God actually is as both light and darkness, as both known and unknown, as both kneeling and standing, as this vulnerable God, as the suffering God that it roots me in times as we find ourselves in like now, right now in this particular historical moment. Yeah. uh, And it it just reminds me uh, once again, how thankful I am that you've been part of the creative process of uh, putting this zine together uh, and introducing Emma and I to the book of creation. Uh, And you were mentioning this uh, beautiful prayer that's on page nine uh, of the book that really speaks to a lot of that. Uh, so if you if you could share that prayer with us, I think that'd be wonderful. I think this is just, it so speaks to times like these. It's, um, it's written by Kenneth White, who's a Celtic poet. And John Philip Newell uses a lot of his writing throughout the, throughout this text. And the poem that you're referencing goes like this. Again, this is Kenneth White. He writes, the loveliness is everywhere even in the ugliness and most hostile environment. The loveliness is everywhere at the turning of a corner in the eyes and on the lips of a stranger in the emptiest areas where there is no place for hope and only death invites the heart. The loveliness is there. It emerges incomprehensible, inexplicable, It rises in its own reality. And what we must learn is how to receive it into ours. Yes, how can we be more and more and more open to more and more and more of reality? Because God is in all of that. Yes, yes. And how how do we learn how to receive the light of God, uh, even in the times when we can see only darkness. Uh, I think that is um, just such a a beautiful poem. Um, So I'm really, again, really glad that you've introduced this uh, to me so that I have this. And I'm excited that the people who have signed up for the zine will be able to get a copy of the book if they want it so that they can have, uh, because there's so much more. I think we're getting near the end of the amount of time we have. And so I just want to offer a couple quick prayers. One uh, is in the zine um, that kind of talks about blessing and helping us to reframe our thoughts on darkness. Let us pray. Bless us, dark earth, 
as we give back that which we have received, as we make a forest of blessing, a ridge of blessing for the future to grow upon. And in bright light and dull darkness, in the energy of each day and the rest that comes with night, we remember the goodness of God. Amen. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for all of the amazing insights you have helped us inject into the zine. And I hope uh, you all who are listening have a chance to uh, look over the zine and do some of the activities that are presented there and find God in the light and find God in the darkness. Wonderful. Thank you, Christopher. Enjoy, everyone. 